Welcome to the Atlanta Legacy Makers podcast. I'm Floyd Hall. Sue Ross is a historian and photographer who has been an eyewitness to so many of Atlanta's important moments. In this conversation, I chat with Sue about her early days in Atlanta, Maynard Jackson's historic run for mayor, and some of her favorite photos. Sue, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm great. So glad to have some time with you today. Sue, what is your what is your origin story in Atlanta? What's your earliest memory of of being in this city? <laughs> um, my earliest memory uh is um I guess when we moved to Atlanta. We my my father came to teach at Atlanta University and we moved here in it was either 59 or 60, um, and um, lived in faculty housing uh, on Beckwith Street across from ITC, and, um, you know, quickly became a part of the community. Um, both of my parents ended up teaching at Atlanta University, uh, which is now Clark Atlanta University, and um, I um, went to school right up the street at uh, Oglethorpe Elementary School. Um, which was um, now a, was a public school. A few years earlier, it had been the the lab school for Atlanta University. But by the time I came, it was a public school, uh, and uh, it was segregated. But it was some of the best education I I have had in in my lifetime, to tell you the truth. I mean, the the teachers uh, were fully committed to the students and their excellence in education. Uh, and um, it, was a, it was a tremendous experience uh, going to that school. Um, so th- my, those are, you know, my earliest memories are of Beckwith Street, of the compound. We lived in a, there was an area of faculty housing where there were maybe uh, five to seven houses right together. And uh, Dr. Horace Mann Bond, who was Julian Bond's father, uh, was dean of the School of Education, and he uh, he kind of was our grandfather in the compound for all of the young people in in the all of the young young uh, young people in the in the neighborhood. Um, and uh, we were all very close, you know, all of the families that were there and still are in touch uh, after all these years. My uh, church affiliation, uh, we uh, began going to first congregational church. I remember that. Um, when we were trying to, to to decide where our church home would be, my mother was uh, her background is A.M.E. Zion, and my father's is is um, congregational, and um, and so we went to both churches. And I remember the A.M.E. Zion church lasted till like three or four in the afternoon, and the, the congregational church lasted about an hour, <laughs> but uh, it, it, maybe an hour and a half. And so um, my uh, um, my dad's family had been involved with the uh, Dixwell Congregational Church in New Haven for um, three generations. So um, and that's where we ended up. That's where we uh, we ended up uh, making our our church home. Uh, Reverend McEwen knew his his pastor uh, at Dixwell. Uh, so earliest affiliations church was first congregational. Uh, where also uh, the Andrew Young family also attended 
who would later become our next door neighbors when we we all moved to south out further in southwest Atlanta. Being on the on the Atlanta University Center campus was um you know kind of the center of our our lives in many ways. You know, there was uh the, the, the there was theater there. We couldn't go to the theaters downtown um unless we were in the balcony or any, or something like that. And so the, the they had the Atlanta Atlanta Spelman Morehouse players uh who did theater. There was music on the campus. There was all kinds of educational activities. So I, my, you know, our lives were very much tied around uh, around the campus, um, socially and culturally. Mm-hmm. We lived also um, very close to where the King family lived. They lived over on Sunset, um, and we actually all went to school together. Um, my brother and Martin were classmates. So you know, all of the families were kind of interconnected back in those days, um, and. Um, I went all the way through elementary school in the segregated school and didn't start participating in the integration of schools until I was in high school. Um, my brother, who was younger than me, uh, uh, was part of the, the school integration from maybe the third grade on. Uh, but um, I think my first year in an integrated school was ninth grade. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were marches and demonstrations and things like that. I remember being, you know, participating in some of those as a youth with my family. Um, I remember the Julian and the other members of SNCC coming to his um, mother and father's house for dinner and telling us stories of what was going on in in Mississippi and Alabama and South Georgia and, you know, what they were doing. And so um, um, Julian lived, you know, well, you know, Julian's parents lived next door, and and um, Bob Mance's uh, mom lived up the street. So there were a lot of um, um, kind of, I guess I would call them older brothers and sisters in SNCC who were all maybe 10 years older than us. Um, and, uh, you know, who became lifelong friends, too. I remember as young people, our first political experience was participating in Julian Bond's um, run for state uh representative for the Georgia legislature, uh, which he had to win three times before he was seated. And um, we did, you know, we made, uh, I remember we made uh, Easter eggs saying vote for vote for bond and took them all around the neighborhood uh, on our street and in, in the uh, projects next door. Um, and um, at that time in the black community, Everybody lived very close together. There wasn't the kind of economic segregation that you have now uh, in housing. And so so the John Hope and University homes were literally right across the street from where we lived. So that's, that's, that, that was kind of my growing up uh, in very much in the middle of black Atlanta. Um, as you began to notice change happening socially, um, what was that like for you in terms of being able to move around more freely? What was your sense of, of change, I guess, in, in the community in terms of, of racial progress or, or just, you know, social progress? Yeah. Well, we had always, you know, had uh, some um, white people around who, you know, we had uh, a lot of, there were a lot of white professors and families at the, at the colleges. Um, and, you know, actually, um, 
in terms of the uh you know the 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 faculty and staff there was a good number of white families then and we and on the campuses you know it was kind of like we were in our own world kind of you know that uh so that that um but it it was a different world when you crossed the north side drive and went downtown and so um you know the being in the i mean it was kind of liberating it was exciting um it was um uh, challenging, you know, with the different successes that SNCC and SCLC and the student movement, the Atlanta student movement had, um, you know, impacted our lives directly. Um, um, I remember, um, you know, after we went to the movies, um, you know, we figured we were as, as big as the big kids, so we were going to integrate one of the diners down. To, it was a uh, it was a di- yeah, it was a, it was a diner. I don't remember what what exactly it was, but I remember we went in and and um, uh, Gia Eisenstein she um, she ordered and then we were outside and then we came in to sit down with her and of course we got chased out, but you know we we did our own little part to try to try to be like the big kids. Uh, we were you know probably thirteen, fourteen or something like that, trying to trying to be grown. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it was, uh, some of the, some of the things that we went to were integrated. We, the, the Academy Theater was always integrated. Um, uh, they had a lot of, um, the, um, we were able to go to, um, but, you know, I mean, opening up, we had our own restaurants, we had our own, you know, everything on Auburn Avenue and, Martin Luther King and our own pharmacies, our own uh, uh, Pascals, and uh, 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 which had the restaurant and and built a motel. So you know it it, it expanded our world. Integration expanded our world, um, but in some ways some of the some of the things got left behind. But it was it was an exciting time to be growing up in Atlanta. It was it was uh, a tremendous spirit of optimism and that things could change in the world. So when we get to that point in Atlanta's history where mm-hmm. Maynard Jackson was growing in, in stature and awareness and he was running for mayor, um, where where were you in, in your life at that point in time? Had you already known Maynard before he ran? If so, how yes. did you, how um, did you know Maynard? Maynard's, Maynard's aunts. Um, were friends of of my of my parents, uh, particularly uh, Millicent Dobbs Jordan, uh, who was a fixture at Spelman, and many people thought she would be the first woman president of Spelman. Um, but she uh, she was uh, uh, a professor of of literature, and um, she um, an art. Uh, you know, a, a lover of the arts, and was very involved in the in the integration of the High Museum. Uh, she and Dr. Richard Long, um, I think, co-chaired a committee. You know, with, that was working on increasing the black presence at the High Museum. But in any event, we, you know, we all uh, her her uh, um, children, and you know, we were all in um, Jack and Jill. So I knew Maynard as kind of like. In that in that older group, um, he wasn't he was I didn't grow up with Maynard. He was older than older than I was, but but we knew of him as uh, you know. And uh, our you know the first political thing 
that I remember about Maynard was him taking on uh, Eugene Talmadge and running for the Senate, which was a bold move at the time. It was unprecedented that a black man uh, would run statewide. And, uh, and of course, you know, that was, that was an exciting uh, race. Um, and he, he ended up with 25 or 30% of the vote, I think, uh, against the, one of the most formidable men in the Senate at the time, Herman Talmadge. Um, and so after he, although he lost that race, that gave him a lot of um, stature in Atlanta in politics. And so he uh, ran, I guess, the next year or soon after that for uh, the position of vice mayor of the Board of Aldermen and and won that position. Um, you know, as 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 folks were beginning to go into politics, as you saw the first blacks go to the legislature um, with Julian and Grace Hamilton and Senator Leroy Johnson, um, you saw um, the opportunity for things to change in the actual city government itself. Um, you had Andrew Young uh, running for uh, Congress. And although he didn't win the first election, we all, you know, we worked, uh, uh, I guess that was while I was in college, and and we worked in his campaign uh, over the summer, um, and um, um, he he uh, ran again two years later, and uh, he was able to be elected to to the U.S. Congress. Um, so there was there was a lot of exciting political developments. Politics was seen as the next phase of the civil rights movement, and. Um, um, we were all very proud of Maynard as our vice mayor. And, um, you know, he, uh, when he made the decision to run for mayor, it was, it was controversial because, you know, some people thought he was too young uh, and uh, that one of the older politicians should run for mayor. Um, and in fact, there were, there were other um, blacks in the, in the race for mayor that year. Um, Senator Leroy Johnson and um, Reverend W.J. Stafford, who was pastor of three free-for-all Baptist churches. They had free-for-all number one, number two, and number three. And um, um, I was a student at the Atlanta University Center at that time. I was um, in uh, my first year of graduate school at Atlanta University, but I was, I, I was um, friends with a lot of students at Spelman and Morehouse, and we had we participated, we had a group called the University Movement for Black Unity. And um, we worked on registering students to vote and and we had a, a, a mock election in the AU Center. We held that to determine who should be the, the candidate of the black community. And so we uh, had it, it so faculty and staff and students all could vote. And Maynard uh, won uh, 97% of the vote, and so we decided he should be the candidate, and so we all worked for Maynard's campaign, so his, uh, in his campaign for mayor, uh, and um, ultimately he was successful, so we, fe we feel we had a small but mighty part in that, uh, in that uh, whole, whole uh, period of, of, of helping Maynard get elected uh, to be the first black mayor uh, in the South. Well, beyond working as a student to sort of rally people to vote and to support mm -hmm. Maynard, you also have the distinction of working in 
Maynard's administration. So I would love for you to maybe talk about how that happened for you or how that unfolded for you and and what it was like to to be a part of of that moment in time when he was shaping policy and leading the city. Well, I was in I was in school a lot of that time. Um and I was uh so I was I didn't work full time in city government actually until Andy Young was mayor, although I, I, I worked uh some summers uh in the CETA program uh while I was while I was in school graduate I guess I was in graduate school then. Um and so it it was exciting. You know, I mean it was changing a place that we couldn't really almost go into when I was growing up, although it was, you know, less than a mile maybe two mile mile and a half to two miles from my from my house um to a place where people were making decisions that were changing Atlanta. And um Maynard had a cabinet that was uh he uh half black and half white and he had women in the cabinet which was unprecedented. You know, I think the the first women commissioners I think came under his administration. Um in many ways a lot of the stuff Maynard did did as much in terms of opening up the city for white women as um as for um for blacks, you know, in terms of opportunities in government and in the private sector. Um because um Maynard's uh thrust was about how do we integrate the economics, how do we integrate the money? And um in terms of who the city would do business with, it was um he told the banks that if your boards are not if you don't integrate your boards and your your uh, employees then we are going to take our money and put it in another bank and that was the beginnings of of uh, um affirmative action for women as well as blacks uh in in the Atlanta business community um and um of course Maynard's known uh um, best for the minority business program, which I'll speak about in a minute. But he also was uh, very instrumental in in um, integrating the money for cultural institutions in Atlanta. Um, prior to Maynard becoming mayor, uh, the city gave support to um, the symphony and some traditional, uh, uh, I guess, the Alliance Theater and. Um, some traditional, uh, predominantly white arts organizations, and Maynard created the the city's office of cultural affairs, uh, which he had as a cabinet level position, led by initially Commissioner Michael Lomax, and then secondly by uh, Shirley Franklin. Um, and their mission was to uh, promote uh, the diversity in the arts. You know, he had a, 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 a and also. Uh, he had a relationship with uh uh France and and we also promoted cultural exchange between artists in in Atlanta and and uh and France and Toulouse. Uh and so um uh he, he did that and then also uh he developed the whole uh NPU system which was empowering neighborhoods to have a say in the zoning and other issues that were affecting their communities. So that that was another thing that that was about empowering people to take um take part in their government. But the program that I worked the most with Maynard on and I worked as in primarily in his in his third term um but one that we always I I worked where I worked for Andrew Young and 
uh, where I worked for Maynard. Uh, so the first like 15 years I was in city government, I worked in the uh, contract compliance office. And that was the office that administered the minority and female business programs. And of course, everyone knows the story of Maynard um, refusing to build the airport unless it could be built with minority and female uh, participation, both in terms of businesses and in terms of the employees of the firms uh, that that would uh, would construct the airport. Uh, and um, uh, that was a, a program which uh, always was a goal-based program. There was not a set aside in Atlanta as there was in some other areas. Uh, it was a goal program for to be uh, with a goal to be reached on on every contract. So um, I uh, when I when I when when Andy was elected, and um, I was I uh, was asked to come into his his administration. Um, I worked in um, well initially in grants management, but then in 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 I. Within about six months, I was in the in the contract compliance office, and as I told somebody the other day, we were kind of like Maynard was kind of like our minister, and we were acolytes in the uh, Church of Minority Business Participation in in terms of making the money spread around to uh, all aspects of our community uh, at the prime level through joint ventures, at the subcontracting level, at the level of the employees of the different firms that 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 held contracts and um as uh, he often said um you know it's better to have when he was talking to the to the white business community it's better to have 75 percent of the city contracts than than no percent of the city contracts you know <laughs> uh and so um uh we also you know had a program which certified the business to make sure the people who we're supposed to own the business actually did own it and um, uh, reviewed every, almost every city contract that came through uh, to see if it, it met the city's goals for participation or if they had made a good faith effort to meet those goals. Um, and um, we were blessed, I think in some ways that in the first few administrations in city government, the mayors kept similar policies and the same, uh, some of the same people on um, to do the work. And of course, during this time, I also was taking pictures. That was kind of like my hobby. And it was my um, way to relax from City Hall. So it wasn't an official city job. Uh, but it was uh, since I um, had a camera and uh, uh, I guess going back to when uh, Andrew Young left the United Nations, um, they gave him a book of maybe 25 by 7 photos for all of the places he had been all around the world and all the places. So he said, well, let's document this administration. So several of us just got cameras, and we did that. There was no official city position as a photographer. You know, you were kind of expected to do your job and then, and then you know, take pictures too. <laughs> and so we did. And that, of course, was in the days before cell phones. So we uh, did that uh, to to show what we were doing. Um, and um, after Andrew Young's two terms as mayor, Maynard came back and ran for a third term. Um, and uh, you could you, you had a two-term limit, but you could come back and run again. And he did. 
And so I served, I worked uh, full-time with Maynard for his third term, which was a four-year term. And yeah, so that was a tremendous experience working directly with Maynard Jackson uh, in the in, in the Office of Contract Compliance. Well, Sue, you had the opportunity to see so much of Atlanta change in that in that time frame from sort of growing up on the the campus of Atlanta University to being in close proximity to a lot of the black leadership that would shape the city, to actually working for and with both mayors, uh, Jackson and Young. How do you reflect on that on that time period, on how the city changed and, and what and what Maynard was, was able to, to do um, as the, the leader of the city? Well, you know, Atlanta um, Atlanta is always a a city of possibilities. You know, it, it's a city. Uh, it's also a city that is very good at marketing and promotion. Uh, and it's, you know, we were were we were, um, in many ways, you know, the the slogan that the business community used um, that came about in I guess Ivan Allen's administration was that we were the city too busy to hate. You know, in many ways, Atlanta was able to move forward. And jump ahead of you know when I was growing up, you know Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, Birmingham, New Orleans, we were all about the same size. Well, what enabled Atlanta to, to jump ahead was both integration, well desegregation, I'll say, and and also the um, the concentration on the transportation and hospitality industries which developed here in Atlanta, and the confluence of the airport, the railroads the buses, um, the fact that we didn't have the civil strife that you had in Birmingham with with uh, water hoses on children or um, that you didn't have you didn't have the the um, um, worst aspects of di- direct segregation now we we experienced segregation and we experienced um, um you know, oppression in, in, in many ways. And, you know, I mean, when the first black police officers were hired, they they did not have the authority to arrest white people. They could only arrest black people. Um, but, you know, seeing all of that change in my lifetime was amazing to go from where the first black officers had to change at the Butler Street Y to having a black officer be the head of the Atlanta Police Department. That was, that was uh, it, it you know, it let you know that there was nothing you couldn't do um if 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 you wanted to it it gave you a sense of possibility that you can that you can and you and you're the you're the inheritor of a tradition you're coming along in a tradition of people who struggled for liberation and um which is not to say everybody did i mean it was there were conservative elements within the within the black community as well um and um but by and large you know the business community, even though they might not be on the streets with the civil rights movement, they, the black business community funded, you know, SCLC and the marches and the Birmingham, uh, the um, Montgomery bus boycott. Um, you'll see people like Herman Russell and Jesse Hill providing funds for bail for the student students in SNCC um, and SCLC. Um, so and it so it was a it was a tremendous time to grow up in. It it's a time of, of, of amazing opportunities of 
you really to feel that you could make a difference for your community. Whatever your position was in city government, you were helping to make policies that would affect where you live. If you were in housing, you could you could you could help build affordable housing. If you were um, in the arts, you were helping arts groups. If you were um, in in uh, whatever area you were in, you were you were able to do things. You know, when when Maynard was first elected, there were a lot of streets in the black community that weren't paved. So you were able to help get streets paved in your community, you know. Um, and um, so it, it was uh, it was a uh, amazing experience growing up in Atlanta and under the tutelage of uh, the mentorship, I guess, of, of all of these folks, you know, that... Uh, Worked with Maynard to to make a difference in this country. In this country, really, yeah, set an example for the country. Mm-hmm. You lived through some amazing history. You also were able to document some amazing history. Do you have any favorite photos? Just all of, of all the ones that you that you've taken. Do you have one or two that are just favorite photos um, that you've captured? And and I guess why are they some of your favorite photos? Well, I have a photo of Nelson Mandela getting off the plane um, at Hartsfield Airport. And he, this was when, you know, a lot of us participated in, in support activities for the Southern African Liberation Movements while we were in college and grad school. And and um, to see South Africa was kind of intransigent. You know, it's it's the, the, the most direct apartheid, the most direct... Um, comparison to a lot of the American South. Uh and um so to see and 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 you know I mean Nelson Mandela had been in prison for decades and to see him get off of that plane a free man getting ready to run to be president of his country was an amazing experience. So that that is one of my favorite photos. Um another photo uh and and then also so I have one of him himself getting off the plane, and then another with uh, that's a favorite that has him and Maynard and Mrs. King and Andrew Young and um, all of the all of the leaders that were there um, when he spoke. So it's Nelson and Winnie Mandela, Harry Belafonte was on the plane with them. Um, that was an amazing experience. So that is, that that's that's one of my favorite photos. Another photo. Um, I guess is related to the college campuses. Um, Dr. Janetta Cole uh, became the first female president at Spelman College, and she um, she was a uh, my father was an anthropologist, and so he there weren't but a handful of black anthropologists in the whole country, so they all knew each other. So he knew Janetta before she became president, and of course, so our families were very close during that period. And at her inauguration, uh, there was a program that honored these seminal black women writers, uh, Gwendolyn Brooks and Tony Cade Bambara, Pearl Clegg. And um, uh, and so after the program, we were able to take a picture of the of the black women writers who were honored that day. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's an extraordinary um, collection. And it, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, there's, for many years, the the picture hung in in uh, in at Spelman College, and in, in it's well, it's still in the Women's Center at Spelman College inside the Cosby Building. 
Um, so that's that's a uh, 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 growing up on the campus. You got a chance to meet a lot of these people before they became, you know, like world famous and all like that. And to meet meet uh, Dr. Maya Angelou when she just had maybe one book out, and she was a a well known poet, but not you know, like the Maya Angelou superstar person that you see, you know, you hear of today. Um, and, you know, you got to, because these people came and they lectured at the campuses and they Alvin Ailey would come and do master classes for the Spelman students. And, you know, you, you would get to meet these people because because when they came to town, you know, they came and they had dinner with people at their homes. And, uh, you know, we couldn't go to the restaurants. So, you know, you got to meet a lot of these people during the period of segregation who later went on to become, you know, um, superstars in their world. So that that so that's another favorite photo. And I guess a third favorite photo is uh, a third favorite photo is uh one I call She Rose and that one is uh, um was taken late one night. It really was about at one in the morning. But there had been a um the King Center had an annual salute to greatness dinner. And um, at this this dinner, they had women who had been who shared a, a unique bond and a, a bond that was both sorrowful and powerful. But it's uh, it was Coretta Scott King, uh, Betty Shabazz, and Merle Evers Williams, all of whom uh, all of whose husbands were martyrs in the civil rights and human rights struggle. And um, you know, after the dinner, and you know, we were having getting something to eat or having a drink or something like that. And they said, well, let's go take some pictures. And so, of course, I had my camera. So we went upstairs and took pictures of of the three women who were great friends and, you know, great role models to all of us. Um, and um, that so that was that was a very special picture. It's in a uh, picture that is in uh, the Coretta Scott King autobiography um, that was released a few years ago after after her passing. Uh, and um, and the last one is is uh, is one which uh, unfortunately I, mean, I took it in 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 2017. Um, at, uh, we there was a birthday party for Joe Lowry, Reverend Joe Lowry at uh, at Clark Atlanta University, and and I got to take a picture with uh, it had uh, Reverend Lowry, C. T. Vivian, uh, Congressman John Lewis, and Ambassador Andrew Young, and of course. We lost three of them last year, um, and so that picture has very special, special uh, memories for me. Um, and I guess the last picture is one I didn't take, but was taken. <laughs> I took a picture. Well, I did take a picture, but but the one that I like the best is the one that I'm in. So I, 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 sometimes you get to get in the picture with people after you take the official picture, you know. So I, uh, when Shirley Franklin was about to be inaugurated, that we, we took a picture with. Um, with the mayors, with Sam Massell, Maynard Jackson, Andrew Young, and Shirley. And um, so I was able to take that picture. And then after I took the picture, I got a chance, I gave my camera to somebody in the crowd. Uh, I think it was my friend Sheila. and uh, Or it might have been, I don't, I don't know exactly who took it, but they took it with my camera, and it's a picture of me with the mayors. And, of course, I got a chance to work with all of those mayors um, uh, not in. I hadn't. I didn't work with Mayor Massell in his administration, but he was, you know, head of the Buckhead Coalition during most of the time I was at city government. So I knew knew him very well from many um, activities at City Hall. 
And so that, that was a special picture for me as well. What gives you the most joy or satisfaction? You know, just thinking about all of the great moments that you've had, both being present for those moments and being part of history, but also in capturing those moments with your photography. What what gives you a sense of satisfaction or joy as you sort of look back on your career and all that you've been able to see and witness? Well, it, it is it's capturing kind of uh, the decisive moment, as 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 you know. They say uh, I am not somebody who was trained in photography. I, you know, I picked it up through through learning and through working with other photographers, but I never really went to school for photography. Um, but it's about being being a participant observer in the situation and being able to capture the essence of what is happening in one photograph. And um, and so, you know, I get a joy out of seeing what develops or what emerges from the camera. Um, I, I encourage everyone to use their cell phones as their cameras and document what's going on around them. You know, a lot of people that you grew up with you don't think are going to be famous, but they turn out to be very famous people later on. You know, they uh, they might just be your Uncle Joe at the time, but, you know, years later it's going to be the Presidential Medal of Honor winner, Uncle Joe, you know, Joseph Lowry. I mean, it's... it's uh, um, um, Andrew Young, when you're growing up, might be just uh, Andrea and Lisa's daddy, but you know he goes on to become uh, an internationally known man who 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 helped pave the way for things like uh, Nelson Mandela becoming free uh, in South Africa. Um, um, and so I, I encourage people to document what's going on where they are. People in your family, people that you know. Um, Find your own way of of um, of documenting history and being part of history, and uh, be sure to take the pictures off of your camera, off of your cell phone, and, and and save them on your computer or put them on a disc somewhere so that they don't disappear when you lose your cell phone. <laughs> uh, Sue Ross, mm-hmm. photographer, historian, cultural. Ambassador in Atlanta, thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. This has been a pleasure talking with you and and getting to reminisce a little bit. Um, I, I, I uh, you know, I was always the little kid, you know, around all these older people like Maynard and Julian and and um, Shirley Franklin and Hattie Dorsey and all. And so uh, it's kind of uh, different to be at the, you know, now to be in, uh, perceived as an elder myself. Um, but I'm glad to be able to share my experiences with other people and to share them with you today. Atlanta Legacy Makers is an initiative led by Central Atlanta Progress and the City of Atlanta. Special thanks to our amazing partners, Atlanta Downtown Improvement District, Atlanta Public Schools, Constellations, Gene Kansas Commercial Real Estate, the Ivan Allen College of Liberal Arts at Georgia Tech, One Atlanta, and Supporter Report. Atlanta Legacy Makers is hosted and produced by Floyd Hall. That's me. Music by Smith & Cash. Last but not least, thank you, Atlanta. Atlanta.